Hey fam, welcome to the Still Coloring Podcast with Tony Collier. I am your host, Tony Collier, and each series we lean into the stories of women and men that uncover their brokenness and practically show us all how they've rebuilt their lives with hope and grit. Come on, come on, let's lean in. Hey friends, it's Tony Collier and I am so proud, so incredibly proud to announce that this season of the Still Coloring Podcast is sponsored by Bart Technologies. One of the biggest mistakes that I've ever made as a parent is not taking technology and its dangers seriously. I mean, y'all already know our kids are being exposed to some incredibly horrific things. However, if you follow me on Instagram, you probably heard a little bit about my journey and my partnership with them. I did some research on Bark Technologies through the help of my amazing Instagram community, and it has been incredible. They have been helping me navigate this world for technology for my daughter, Dylan, and one day, my little baby boy, Sammy. And as you probably know, technology can be a major contributor to mental health issues in our little kids today. So, Thank you, Bark, for sponsoring this season as we discuss little kids with big feelings. Keep listening. You'll hear a little bit more about Bark Technologies later. Hey, fam, it's Tony, and I'm so excited that you are listening to the Still Coloring Podcast. Can you believe that we are in season five? I mean, that's just so crazy to me. Season five, the theme around it is little kids, big feelings. And in this episode, I get to talk to a really good friend, Dr. Chinway Williams. She's a doctor. Hello, somebody. And what's incredibly exciting about this episode is it's real, it's tangible, it's authentic, and it's coming from a professional counselor who knows what she's talking about when it comes to helping our littles process through trauma process through big feelings, and even what it's like to reparent yourself as you do it. Listen to me. This is like a free counseling session is all I'm about to say. And so you don't have to pay anything uh, to just listen and to watch and to just be invested in being a better parent for your kid. So check out this episode. And then when you're all done, make sure you share it with somebody who would also like a free counseling session on how to parent their kid with their big feelings. Check it out. Oh, snap. We are back again with another episode of the Still Coloring Podcast. I'm excited right now for a lot of reasons. Number one, because we are talking about kids in this season. Little kids, big feelings. Because listen, baby, okay, if you are a parent or a caregiver or a grandmama of any kind, y'all know these little kids come like jam-packed with big feelings. And I'm so excited to be talking to the doctor... Shinway Williams, I'm so excited that you're here. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Love seeing you. Yay. I love everything I love that you're doing. Listen, I remember when I was doing some work for Orange students and everyone started talking about you. I remember. I remember the year. They're like, man, we found this woman. She's incredible. She's going to help us so much when it comes to like understanding children and unpacking the the psychology around how they think. And I was like, oh, snap, who is this? And then I never got to meet you. And then we randomly did an event together. Birds on a yes, ride, I yes, think, yes. right? The conference. And I remember listening to your session and being like, this woman is brilliant. And, and you have to understand, like, I've got a hard story when it comes to having a child in a really abusive marriage and getting out and then not knowing how to manage my own emotions and feelings from the marriage. And then I'm looking at this little girl and I'm looking her in the eyes. She looks just like her dad. And there's been so much pain there. And it's like, how do you parent from a place of healing? Right. Like and so it was just hard. It was just hard and it was weird. And I remember seeing you and I was like, this woman, she's got the juice. Can you tell everybody a little bit, my audience, a little bit about what you do, your background, all the things? Absolutely. So um, I'm a licensed clinical clinical mental health therapist, and I always struggle, Tony, with starting with my professional background versus who I really am. So I'll, I'll start with Ooh, professional. I'm taking, notes. I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. And then I'll, I'll share mm. a little bit about what I consider my primary ministry. But I'm a licensed clinical therapist. My practice is based out of Roswell, Georgia. And for everybody listening, if you're familiar with the Atlanta area, um, Roswell is a suburb approximately 27 miles north of the Atlanta airport. And I have a hybrid practice where I am in the building sometimes. I'm at home like I am today. 
doing therapy, doing trainings and consultations, but my primary focus is on helping people through really hard transitions, seasons of transition, which generate anxiety. It generates sometimes feelings of sadness or confusion or frustration, and sometimes even trauma. So that is my specialty area. Um, I work with anxiety and I do trauma recovery. I'm an EMDR specialist, and I just love working with young people. I started my career as a school counselor. I work with a lot of adolescents right now, a lot of young adults, and also a lot of a lot of adults, a lot of parents that are exploring their own childhoods, right? And (laughs) and trying to figure out, you know, how to make sense of some of the stuff that's coming up in the present and how it might be linked to experiences uh, from from the past. So I um, that's that's kind of in a nutshell, me professionally, Uh, me personally, I am a wife to Lonnie. Lonnie and I met at UGA. Mm. So Tony, you have got, are you a football? Thank you. I I was just, I don't know. I'm from Texas. I'm sorry. I was going to ask you. But I'm like, I can give you, how do y'all do? Is it like a claw? (laughs) I don't even know. I don't know. I just say woof, woof. But we are, (laughs) we we are huge uh, Georgia fans. We met at at UGA and um, we got to say go dogs because we won back to back championships. And it's, is that what it is? I don't even know. I'm going to be honest. It's football season. So we don't know what's going to oh, right change. Now. Yes, right now as we're recording. Ooh, the coaches, the players, we it's don't know. Starting. We don't know if we're going to hold on to the championship. We're nervous. <laughs> we're nervous. We're nervous about we it. We are. And so Lonnie and I are raising uh, three kids. One is not a kid anymore. Jalen is, she just turned 20, Tony. I don't know what happened. Oh, that's an adult. She's You got a young she, adult on your she hands. Is. She looks 14. So that makes me happy. That makes okay. me happy. And that makes me grateful. In my heart. Yep. Mm-hmm. She looks really I know. Young. Stay at the crib, girl. What what you got to go out into the real world for, okay? (laughs) So we um, are so proud of her. And then we've got two boys under our roof, Brayden, who is 12, and uh, Noah, who uh, is eight years old. So, Listen, I know about it. I used to say I have an eight-year-old strong-willed blessing because that makes me sleep better at night if I just add blessing at the end, you know what I'm saying? But she's just turned nine, and she's like, I'm a tween. Like I am a preteen now. I'm like, that's not, I don't even think that's what it is. I think it's 10 <laughs> yes. or 11, maybe even 12. Yes. I'm like, sis, I don't you know what you're talking time. about. So she's like a small little adult. Yeah. You got some time, girl. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So we're going to dive right into this thing. Thank you so much for unpacking just like your family dynamic and what you do. One of the things that we've always tried to do is to have a licensed professional counselor on because we're talking about really hard subjects and you know, I have a Christian platform. We have some people that are, some people that aren't, that are listening in. But one of the things I think we get wrong as Christians is that we tackle these really hard subjects when it comes to mental and emotional health with no expertise. Like we're just talking about it. We just got it floating in the air because we're just excited. And the truth is we need to be able to at least acknowledge it and hold it. But then we also need to be able to bring in reinforcements who have been trained in this, who have a background in it, who can really help us with strategies to help us heal and to raise these small little children, okay, these tiny humans, as best as we possibly can. So thank you for being on. I'm going to dive into what I think is going to be super helpful to kick us off with. And I think it's this question right here, like, what did the generations before us get wrong when it comes to our feelings? Like, what have you seen? I know you get people all the time that's like, well, my mom did this and my dad did that. And now I'm trying not to pass that down to my kids. What did they get wrong, the generations before us? Yeah, they didn't um, allow us to cry over spilled milk. Oh, my. I have the chills. Yeah. I want to cry. Yeah. Am I in a counseling session? Am kind I okay? Of, okay, you go ahead. Of. And 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 that yeah, that that resonates with a lot of people because I have worked with adult clients in their 30s who remembers being yelled at for making tiny mistakes, but then when they show emotion after being reprimanded or criticized or parents raise their voice, which we do sometimes, um, they weren't able to have space for their emotions. So parenting is not easy. Can we start there, Tony? Yeah, let's just let's yeah. be honest about it. Let's stand on that foundation. It's not easy. Yes, yeah. and I think as believers, we have to um, really acknowledge that parenting is the best job in the world. For me, it is rewarding. It is life-giving, and it can be exhausting. It can be draining at times, especially um, some people know that I'm parenting a child with with special needs. And oftentimes it's not him, 
It's what's happening around him and sometimes what gets triggered within me. But just to kind of go back to what I think the um, our generation and previous generations don't quite get is that I'll say this, probably in my 15, 16 years of doing this work, and this is a ministry for me, I'm talking to parents in my practice, I'm talking to young adults and adolescents, and parents are able to see that their child or their teen is struggling with mental health. But we have a generation of parents, myself included, and my husband would say the same thing, who were maybe taught to sweep all that stuff under the rug. Right. So anything that was hard or heavy or complicated, Mm -hmm. what did our parents sort of say, either explicitly or, you know, not explicitly, implicitly sweep everything on the rug and pull yourself together. You got things to do. Those are excuses. Those are excuses. Don't come with those excuses. It's like, I don't think they are. Mm -hmm. I think they're my emotions. Yes. Go outside and play or or go outside outside and play, shake it off off. and playing is not a bad thing, but there was really no no space for feeling your feelings. And so the generation of parents that I'm talking to, the generation of parents that raised me, we are experiencing a generation of kids and teens who are actually much more in tune with their emotional health, their mental health, but then there's a gap. So I think it's really important for us to acknowledge that um, our kids are aware of what's happening inside and telling them to suppress it or 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 push it away or distract themselves from it really really isn't the answer so yeah okay quick story um that leads me to my next question so i made the honest mistake of taking all of my daughter's little like trinkets like her little letter to the tooth fairy all these things right and no matter where you stand on telling your kids about tooth fairy santa like we're just doing our thing guys um everybody's inclusive here when it comes to parenting. We're just because we're doing our best and it's hard. Uh, But we told our daughter about the tooth fairy. I have bear crawled on the floor many times in her room and replaced her little fragile teeth with coins and money. And she finds this little box that I kept of all of her little letters and teeth and stuff. She finds it and she's like, why do you have this stuff? Like, (laughs) what is going on? Are you the storage locker the tooth fairy like what's happening right now and she googles unfortunately is the tooth fairy real and she finds out that the tooth fairy is not real and she comes up to me and she goes you lied to me (laughs) and i'm like i try my best not to lie to my daughter even if it's like a hard truth you know we navigate conversations with as much honor and dignity as we can for her and this was one of those moments where she like caught me in like a like a real lie and this is the words that she said that really caught me off guard she goes you betrayed me I feel betrayed and so here I am as a parent of parents who told me that if I felt anything that it's an excuse to stuff it under the rug to numb I'm a professional number okay I'm a professional number I know all the millennials on that's listening and watching right now is like same sis same sis okay But here I am as a parent now trying to break these generational cycles and this of unhealthy patterns and behaviors. And my child has told me that I have betrayed her and she feels betrayed. And I am so overwhelmed because I don't really know how to navigate that. For parents like me who are trying to get it right now, like we're trying to clean up the mess of ideologies, of ways of thinking, of parenting, of holding emotion for our kids. How do we get this right? Like, does it start with healing for us? Like, do we have to heal first or can we start applying these like strategies right now? What do we do um, when we don't know? Yeah, and both and both. It's about beginning your own healing process, which may or may not include therapy. It doesn't always have to, uh, depending on what you're struggling with and the intensity of it and how much it's getting in the way of your relationships, especially your relationship with your spouse, your your kids, um, but also having compassion for yourself. So it's that's part of the healing. So it's and both. It's taking care of yourself and also offering your kids and your teenagers effective coping skills because that is what's going to help them in the long run. And that's going to help you as well. So I would say empathy uh, for yourself, empathy for what your child is going through, empathy for anything that's happened 
um, in your past because we all have experiences. We've grown up in different households where we receive different messages about what it means to be strong, to be resilient, to be gritty, what it means to you know, be a member of this family, right? These cultural messages. Yeah. yeah um, and if we aren't, you know, if we don't create space to kind of look at that and explore that, and again, that can happen in therapy or outside of therapy, then that is uh, us parenting through our own sometimes trauma. Uh, so we want to be aware of that. And in that situation, I'm just really blown away about your sweet daughter's ability to name her emotions so when we get to tools and strategies i'm going to talk to you a little bit about what is um i think one of the most effective strategies for counselor for for parents who are thinking i am not a counselor i am not a counselor but yeah but need some tools and strategies so i love and i love just the humility too so we're we're we as parents we're gonna step in it we're gonna make mistakes and that's where again you bring in the self-compassion and you say to yourself okay, this parenting thing is really, really hard. I love this little girl in front of me. I love this little boy in front of me. How can I make this relational connection in this moment? It doesn't mean that I have to be right, but I can be humble enough to say, you know what? Um, I did tell something that wasn't the truth. (laughs) And maybe this is, this, you know, maybe you can share your reasoning and say, but yeah, and, and I hear that you feel betrayed and I want to honor that. And I want to give you space. Do you want to talk a little bit more about it? Yeah. Ooh. And it's interesting because it. I feel like it also requires a level of humility. As a parent, I um, I made a lot of mistakes. Oh, my gosh. I just, I, I speak vulnerably about this because after going through a really hard divorce, um, I was so angry. I had so much rage at myself, at him at all the things and a lot of that leaked on over into my parenting right like I remember Dylan would do one little thing like dropping her juice and I would just get so angry at it and it took a a long time for me to heal some of my own wounds but I realized that as I healed my parenting healed me being a new wife I got remarried that started to heal I was able to be a better stronger leader and friend and daughter I mean all the different things but most importantly, I got the chance to give my daughter a new mom. And I mean, I say this in my first book. I said the hardest thing I've ever done was raise my child while holding my own childhood wounds. And I think a lot of people have been talking about these buzzwords like I'm reparenting myself as I parent my kids. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what does that mean? Yes. We're probably using it wrong over here. Us that don't have degrees. We're just like, well, I'm reparenting, girl. Yeah. So, well, I want to acknowledge I love what you just shared. And so many people can relate to that, Tony, myself included. So because when we become parents, it's not like we become parents when all aspects of our our life is perfectly together, right? Including our own emotional health and well-being. And if and if you're anything like me, when I was pregnant with my um my first son, I remember thinking that I would be the most patient mom, the most easy. By the way, I taught this stuff. I trained on this stuff. I'm yeah. gonna be like so yeah. like careful. Like I'm gonna crush yeah, it. Yeah, ca- we're gonna go to the it. park like every day. We're gonna have like bedtime stories that last for hours. I'm exhausted now. I'm like, read the book yourself, you know? It's like, you got it. <laughs> you got yeah, it. It's okay, skip that word. <laughs> skip that word, you don't know it, skip it. Right? Skip it. So nobody talked to us about parenting triggers. Nobody talked to us. I mean, we didn't give a thought about that. So nobody, you know, really um, put that put that into our our kind of focus. And so we all have triggers, whether it be emotional triggers, environmental triggers, things that we've experienced um, in our childhood or even in our adulthood. Uh, when we think about it, we're like, ooh, we kind of feel that sting. And so what happens in the moment when our kids are, guess what? They're not always going to be doing the thing that we want them to do. Um, yes, what happens is that parents tend to do three emotional control strategies, uh, Tony, which is... Tell me. Oh my gosh, it makes me nervous. Yeah, uh, we get loud, <laughs> we get, we give up, or we give in. 
and and this actually i didn't make this up i always like to give people credit this comes from the book the joy of parenting we get loud we give up or we give in some of us have big reactions we yell we spank some of us shame um so we get into these situations where we have these reactions and we're like oh my gosh where did that come from well that is something that we want to explore because we don't want to parent out of our trauma we don't want to bleed all over the people that we love the most because they're not just looking at what we are attending to what we say they're attending to what we do and how we show up for them and for other people so whatever you want to call it um and there is an inner you know inner child healing journey that's a part of trauma recovery and there's so many different strategies that can help facilitate that but whatever you want to call it whatever you know therapist or life coach um, whatever strategy they come up with it's important to create space to explore what is this about and that can happen through journaling that can happen to talking to someone in ministry that can happen to sometimes talking to your best friend it's helpful if somebody is professionally trained but all of us can't afford therapy so i just want to put it out there so that's really what we're talking about how is the way that i'm reacting to my child in the present connected to something that's happened in the past oh that's so good okay i'm gonna first of all that's so good and it's just interesting that i love that i'm having this season because Oftentimes I try, I try to have seasons that I'm like good at, that I have a little bit of experience in, right? But like, I'm in it. Like I am in it. I have a child that has special needs. We're like in the mud, fighting our way through. I mean, this may sound a little elementary, but like, we just want her to be healthy. Like, right? Like we, I mean, obviously we want her to be healthy financially. We want her to be, you know, professionally, whatever she wants to be and successful. But like, Honestly, I would say our biggest desire right now is that she's just like healthy emotionally. I'm like, sis, you could be painting hands, okay, for, for the rest of your life, baby. Okay, you could go perfect the fingerprint. Like, I do not care. As long as she is healthy emotionally, like, I just, that's all that we're longing for. And so that keeps me up at night. Like, I have real, like, anxiety and... um. I mean, I'm talking to friends. I'm talking to everybody. This podcast season, shoot, maybe for me. Okay, uh, honestly, you take what you need if you're listening and watching. But I really want to learn in this area. I want to get this right. Like, I long to get this right. We have a, a mutual leader that uh, we followed, Andy Stanley. Like, one of the things that he said and Reggie Joyner has said is, like, the most important thing you'll do on this earth, maybe not, like, maybe won't be, like, the accolades and the PhD and all and the jobs, but who you raise, like that may be the single most important thing that you do while you're on this earth. If you are a parent or a caregiver today, you know just how hard it can be raising kids in the digital age. The struggle is real, y'all. When it comes to balancing screen time, keeping kids safe from dangerous websites and all the countless other threats out there, y'all know it can be a challenge and it's hard to know where to start. The Bark Phone is the answer parents have been looking for. It was built by a dad of two looking to keep his own kids safe online. And let me tell you, the reviews are popping. As a Bark Phone parent, you manage literally everything your child can do on their device, from who they can text, what apps they can download, and even when they can use them. The best part of this is that it's all customizable. If your child is young, you can block everything and just allow text and talk. As they get older, you can gradually add in games, apps, social media if you want. And you can scale back at any time too, if your kid just needs a little breather. Now Bark's technology can also scan text messages, emails, other apps, social media, and alerts you to potential dangers like bullying, online predators, sexting, suicidal ideation, and so much more. For peace of mind, when your child is out and about, you can also use Bark's GPS location tracking to keep an eye on them. Not in the market for a new kid's phone, but still interested in keeping your kids safer online, Bark also has a safety app that you can put on iPhones, Androids, Chromebooks, iPads, and even Kindles. So here's what I want you to do. Check out Bark technology for your family. Visit info.bark.us slash Tony. I'm going to say that one more time. Visit info.bark.us slash Tony. Listen, you will not regret protecting your kids. I want to get this right. 
So my question that I'm a little scared for you to answer right now is like, what's at stake if we don't? If we don't get this right for our kids. Yeah, yeah. So this is where we, you know, we, we, we're going there, right? We're going there. So Tony, there's so much at stake. For, for all of us. And you're right, what Andy and, and Reggie say is absolutely true. And doesn't it give you um, goosebumps, right? Yeah, because it's so important. It's so important. It feels so big. Uh, so yeah. I'll just share just a little bit. Um, in the 10 years prior to the pandemic, so the pandemic did not start this, there have been elevated um feelings of, of persistent sadness and hopelessness, as well as self-harming behaviors and suicidal thoughts and behaviors among our youngest kids. And so 40% is what the CDC is saying right now. Hospital admissions for non-suicidal um, self-harm jumped 188%, Tony for girls 10 and 15 so we think about teenagers, we think about young adults struggling. These are babies and it jumped 48% for, for boys ages 10, between 10 and 14. Uh, so this sense of hopelessness and despair, and I just wanna throw this out there too, because I think it's important to, to note because the mental health researchers are trying to figure this out. Um, black kids, black boys are um, also at risk, we're seeing uh, the highest elevation among very, very young black boys as young as five years old. So this is, a, and, and years ago when I started my career, we heard that black families did not even think about taking their own lives. Uh, so something has shifted in our culture. We are not raising the kids and the teenagers um, from the past, okay? This world is much scarier than the world that um, our parents grew up in, the world that we even grew up in. And I think, you know, that first question was so pivotal about what this, what parents need to understand about what's happening with this generation. So their emotions are feeling overwhelming to them and we've got to get this right. And the way to get this right is to continue to have the conversations that you're having, your podcast series, your wonderful book about little kids and big feelings. Yes. And honoring. I just want to cry. I'm a <laughs> Well, because it's important. Well, because it's important. It, it's so important and it's pivotal. And just one, one other thing I want to add for um, parents that are listening. We always talk about emotional intelligence. We always talk about emotional regulation. Uh, but for our kids to be able to regulate their emotion, they have to be able to feel them. For our kids to be Ooh. able to regulate their emotions and have emotional intelligence, which makes you a great partner, makes you a great leader, makes you a great parent, they have to be able to feel them. And so when we talk about feeling our feelings, sometimes people, you know, you'll get the eye roll. This, this is important. Sometimes with leaders, it's important. Um, so it's about teaching our kids to identify what it is that they're feeling, helping them to identify the triggers. And we do that as parents by recognizing our own triggers and then teaching them how to manage those emotions on their own. But at first, they really need us to help them. Oh, this is so good. It's just so rich and so good. And I just feel like parents are listening in right now. I don't know. I mean, first of all, you almost took me out with those statistics because we're talking about this idea of naming our feelings to tame our feelings. Like it is the only way, right? And I feel like the statistic around children with suicidal ideation and thoughts, 10 years old, five years old. I mean, that just, I shouldn't even said it again because I just, I want to recry. I'm about to recry all over again. It's almost like as parents, if we could keep those statistics in the back of my mind, that as little as five year old, five years old and 10 years old, kids are so overwhelmed by their feelings that they are wanting to take their life in the moment where your kid is throwing a tantrum, right? Like, and this isn't to be like dramatic about it, but if, if we can keep these things in the back of our mind and it says, what's it going to cost me 10 minutes to get on the floor with my little, look them in the eye and say, let's talk about what you're feeling right now. What's it going to cost us? And it it may be hard for a parent like me who's like, 
the, the first thing I want to say is, girl, suck it up. Come on now, sis. People over here dying in the world. And I'm like, oh, I sound like my mom. You know, I sound like my dad. But to say, like, I want to know, like, your feelings are important to me. That's not for me as a parent. That's for my kid who, do, who doesn't have to feel overwhelmed by their feelings. They can actually, because of us, get so used to talking about it and embracing it and sitting with them that their feelings don't overwhelm them. And I'm like, that's the kind of parent I want to be. 100%. That's what I want to be. Yeah, 100%. I love this. I love this so much. <laughs> okay, I'm going to get my life together because I have something. Um, okay, I have a lot of things I want to talk about. The notes that we have on you, are there's just so many because you put out so much great content from your Instagram to your books, like all the things. Um, I want to talk about anxiety because... I just don't know what happened. But I feel like everyone can relate to a feeling of anxiousness. Like, it, I'm, I'm, I'm to probably totally wrong on this, but like, I'm sure there's some sort of like anxiety spectrum, right? Like, I feel like we have all experienced like nervousness and anxiousness. And then for some of us, it's a little bit more heavy. There's a little, there's a diagnosis there. Talk a little bit like about anxiety in a broad way, and then maybe in a really focused way, because I do think that's tripping us up a little bit. Yes. Yeah. So the first thing I think it's important for listeners to understand is that anxiety isn't just one thing. It's uh, I would say it's three things. Anxiety impacts. Oh, yeah. Anxiety impacts our our thoughts. Right. That thought of what if something bad happens? What if my husband doesn't come home tonight after this trip or doesn't, you know, the, the plane doesn't land and something terrible happens. What if something happens when my child goes to school? So think about the thoughts that we have of dread that bring up a feeling of uneasiness and then think about how it impacts our, our littles, right? But anxiety impacts your thinking, um, thoughts about the future and thoughts about not having control about over the future, which none of us do. Uh, Yes. <laughs> we also know that anxiety impacts our emotions, right? That feeling of, mm. of uneasiness and, and, and fear oh, yes. and, and dread and discomfort. Clammy. Yes. Oh, yes. The biggest thing that we don't often talk about, it's getting talked about a little bit more, is the somatic expression of anxiety. And somatic just means body. It just means body. So anxiety impacts us on a physiological level. So that's what you're talking about. The clammy hands, yes. the sweat underneath the uh, you know, arms. Sweat. Oh my gosh. I ain't never sweat so much under my arms and under my under chest. Yes. I don't even know if I could say that, but it's my podcast. So we're here. But yes. oh my goodness. Yes. And and wow. the rapid, you know, heartbeats, the you know, the heartbeat and feeling like your face is like is like red. And yes hot and, and 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 then the muscle tension so oftentimes anxiety shows up as as discomfort in the body and probably the most common way that my clients express anxiety is my tummy hurts my stomach hurts so we know that my dog yeah i have a stomach oh ache. yeah oh yeah before and look and you know what we said you ain't got no stomach ache. <laughs> take some tussin <laughs> don't do that <laughs> you didn't even eat nothing girl you ain't got no stomach right and, right. Oh well, gosh, there's a wow. there's a correlation. There's a there's a relationship between um, anxiety and gastrointestinal discomfort. So when we feel anxious, we tend to feel it in our stomach. But we but when we have stomach issues that are legitimate physical stomach issues, it makes us feel anxious. So there's a two way correlation. And so it can happen, you know, just, you know, kind of on a more specific level for littles before the first day of school, right? I've got a couple of five-year-olds in my neighborhood and it was just so precious to see them crying because I, I love emotions. So they were crying and running away from their emotions. parents. I actually don't think anyone, you just broke like a still coloring, I don't know, a, a war. We need to send you something because no one's ever said I love emotions. I do, I welcome them. I welcome them. So when the, when the kids are running and the parents are like embarrassed, I'm like, no, this is a new experience. 
this is brand new for them. This is an unknown. Let them feel. Come, come to my house and live with me. <laughs> my neighbors are probably Please. like, okay, I'm not going to pay you for this. But uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> because they're we're embarrassed, right? When our kids have like these outbursts or, or something that, you know, it's like, okay, pull it together. Uh, but it's normal to have anxiety before a big test, before going, I work with a lot of teenagers, before going to prom, wondering if you're going to go to prom at all wondering you know what your score on the sat is going to be if you're going to even make it to the college of your choice anytime we're making an important decision even as parents and tony i know you can relate to this because we're juggling so much as um, mothers who work outside of the home and who are you know just doing a lot we feel anxiety before making an important decision so I think if I wanted to leave your listeners with um, one takeaway, it would be that anxiety isn't bad. God um, created us to have an alarm system that prepares us for threat. So that's the that's sort of the extreme spectrum of anxiety. We're getting ready to fight that saber-toothed tiger that might be around the corner, right? Or we're mama bears and papa bears and we're puffing up because somebody hurt our baby. Uh, and then the other part of it is we get a little bit of stress and anxiety because we got to pay the bills. So Surprise. as much as we want to hit the snooze uh, for this thing that we've got to do, uh, this work event that we have to show up for, as much as we want to lay down a little bit, we need that stress, that little bit of stress to get us motivated and ready for our day. So anxiety exists on a spectrum like most things. So we don't... Um, you know, we don't want to dismiss no, it. No, we don't want to dismiss it. And, <laughs> You're so and we, about I do, this. I, I do. It. I'm trying because I know we don't have a whole lot of time. And as you can tell, I can talk about this for a long time. We don't want to dismiss it. We we don't want to make it seem like it's something that is evil or sin or that we don't have enough faith, which is a whole nother conversation, right? Girl, I'm gonna have you back <laughs> to talk about that. Yeah, we're gonna do some some faith busting. Yes, yeah. yes, it's really about helping our kids acknowledging that it's going to come up from time to time. And when it gets in the way with us being able to relate at work, with our kids, at home, other meaningful pursuits, that's when we want to take a look at having some um, coping skills or even talking to a professional. Okay, pause in the story a little bit. I, you have a book. It's called Beyond the Spiral. Here's what I liked when I looked up this book. I like that it was... Targeted for teens, young adults, but it's good for adults too. Talk a little bit about right why you wrote the book, and I mean, because we're talking about anxiety, I'm like, let's just go straight there. Let's get people a resource that they can like put in their hands. You know, let's talk about that a little yes. bit. Yes, um, Tony, this is probably the hardest aspect of the work I do because it's hard to self promote, and yet you do want people to have. Oh my gosh, it's why you wrote oh, it, not for oh you. Oh my gosh. But for the people that are literally struggling, like me, with anxiety, yeah. like my daughter. I yeah. mean, we need help out here, dang yeah, it. Yeah, okay. we do. So yeah, we're going to dive into it. Please do we talk do. about it. Will Hutcherson is, the, is my co-author, and he's a really good friend of mine and also a youth pastor. So we wrote this book because for the past three years, we've been traveling across the country talking to parents about mental health and how to promote the healing of anxiety and despair. And so when we would do like book signings or meet with parents and families afterwards, parents would say, um, I can't wait to give this book to my teenager or my child. And we'd be like, no, no, uh -huh. this book is for you. Well, baby, you may want to on the way home. Okay. <laughs> or like this, this, this book is for you. Um, and then they would say, but what can you provide as a resource for my teenager? Because they're struggling right now. And the research shows that the groups the two groups that are struggling the most with anxiety specifically are adolescents and young adults. So we felt called to provide a resource that was very specific to ways to battle the five lies that anxiety, there are many lies, but we focused on five lies. And then also practical tools. So we always tell people, Tony, that when you read the book, it's gonna feel like you're in a therapist's office but a youth pastor is in the waiting room. <laughs> oh, I love that. And I used to be a youth pastor and we crazy, baby. Okay, so I love it so much. I love it so much. You are much. wonderful. So you get both. You get the practical tools and then you get the spiritual tools, how to invite God in. So we're actually very excited about this resource and we're getting really good feedback that it's not just helpful 
for teenagers, but also adults. And we have like spouses that are reading it to each other in bed at night. Like, you uh-huh. need this, honey. Good. You need to calm down, girl. <laughs> okay. No, just kidding. Okay. This is what's interesting, though. There's uh, there's a few books that I have read. I mean, obviously, like we're friends with so many people at Orange and there's like the, it's just a phase and there's all these different resources in your book, Beyond the Spiral. And it's interesting because oftentimes we do want to push off resources to the person that needs it. But you and I both know that the most valuable resource, and this is what you say too, is us, the the moms, the dads, the caregivers, the aunties and grandmamas that's raising kids, all the like if we could get this right, we are the leader in our households. And so I love that you're like, okay, yeah, sure. This may be for your teen or for your adolescent, you know, whatever it may be for your young adult, but baby, you, you may just need to take a moment to read it yourself so that you can become more equipped, especially if they're under your roof. Right. Am I, am I like saying this yes, right? I hope I am. Keep going. Keep going. One of the things that is really hard as a parent is trying to parent well with no resources, like no books, no access to things that can really help you process through it. And so I'm excited because I have gotten to be a part of a project that I've needed for myself. And it's my brand new kids book. It's called Broken Crayon Still Color. It's helping littles process their big feelings. And y'all, it is just the I don't know. That's the joy of my heart right now because I'm seeing kids, maybe for the first time, parents, maybe for the first time, talking about something that's been taboo for a long time, like our feelings and the fact that when we have big feelings, good ones and really bad ones, like it doesn't make us bad. God still loves us no matter what. And I'm excited because this book is touching the world. It's being put out in Target. Yep, that's a big deal. It'll be in Target, in stores, and it's just cool. I hope that you grab a copy for the kids in your life, for you, maybe yourself as a parent. All you do is head on over to TonyJCollier.com backslash crayons. It'll also be in the show notes. I hope you grab a copy. Yay. We have to go, but this question came into my spirit. This is for me, and if somebody catches the answer for them and good. Okay. What do you do with the guilt? You're trying and you're not getting it right. What do you do with the guilt? Yeah. Mom guilt. I feel like, but come on, I feel like dads are in this too. Like parent guilt. What do we do with that? Yes. Tony, um, the very first comment that I make when I'm talking to parents and Will does the same thing is we're going to share some information with you. And when you're sitting where you're sitting, know that we have sat there too. I have a child on the spectrum. I have another child who has struggled with anxiety. I struggled with anxiety when I found out I had a child on the spectrum and I'm still I'm still using the tools. So please, 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 there is going to be a tendency for your brain to generate negative thoughts about what you did wrong. And those negative thoughts are going to generate negative emotions. Please resist the urge to go down that path because the enemy will use that. The enemy will use that to get you off task because the truth of the matter is guilt is an unproductive emotion. I welcome all emotions, but we label it as such, okay? Guilt is unproductive. So you recognize that you are human. You want to be like Jesus, but you are are not Jesus. You are imperfect and we strive every single day and we have a fresh anointing every single day So the fact that you are here listening, the fact that you're even lamenting and feeling what you're feeling right now, Tony, tells me that you're an amazing mom. So that's what I tell parents all the time. And so here's the other piece of it, right? So we don't stay in the guilt. We don't harbor any guilt, right? The word of God says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, okay? You are saved. You have have freedom from guilt, right? (laughs) And you have the opportunity to teach your child and you teach your child by modeling what it means to have healthy emotional expressions. Kids learn about managing their emotions by watching us. 
right? So that's that's the best way. So when I when I say that um, afterwards, parents, oh, I felt that guilt. I was like, did you did you listen to my instruction though? And they're like, I'm trying, I'm working on it. <laughs> I know. I'm running away from yeah. it. Oh, that's so good. Okay, last question. I promise that was good. Lord, I've just been crying already. Help me. Um, okay. <laughs> um, what's one practical resource that we can use as parents, uh, caregivers, um? to help our little kids with their big feelings. Yeah, and this is important. This question that you're asking so is excited. so important because yeah. we know as as believers, um, there is trouble in this world. In this world, there will, there will be trouble. And there is probably, I don't know that statistically this is true, but 18 years of doing this work, I've never seen so much anxiety and despair among young people. So yes, we are facing a mental health crisis like never before in modern history, but we also have the words of Jesus. We have a God that says, I have come to save you because there are problems in this world. I knew that there are problems in this world. I've given you spiritual tools and I've also given you practical tools and take heart. I have overcome the world so you are not alone, but it's faith plus actions. So I always tell parents, we do have things that we can do that you don't have to feel like you're an expert in mental health to be able to implement. So one, you already sort of shared. In fact, I think you said it. Did you say name it to tame it earlier? I believe you did. Oh, yes, I did. Thank you, Dr. Kurt Thompson. Yes. So this, yes, so this was actually a tool and I want to set it up because I want parents to know that this is a neuroscientific tool that was developed by a neuroscientist um, and a psychiatrist by the name of Dr. Dan Siegel. If you're not familiar with him, he has informed so much of my work, so much of my parenting. I've met him on several occasions. He's brilliant. And so this tool, and maybe your audience is already aware of it, is not just effective on our brains or our minds that are feeling big emotions. So think about your little who comes home from school because a friend did not sit with them or a friend called them fat or a friend called them stupid or any number of things that our kids can feel overwhelmed or worried or frustrated about. Um, This tool, Name It to Tame It, really involves labeling the emotion, labeling the emotion and knowing that labeling the emotion helps to calm the alarm centers of the brain. So it starts to reduce that fight, flight, or freeze response in the brain and helps the body to feel calmer. And here's here's why it works. When we say we're angry, we're frustrated, and we teach our kids to say we're sad or we're, we feel betrayed, right? What happens is it has the ability to bring down the intensity of that emotion just by naming it. So think about that, Tony. That's not a counseling session, right? That's not even going to the gym and running around for 30 minutes, which would also be effective. (laughs) But this is something that parents and caregivers can do within five minutes. And we have amazing tools. And I know that you have one that's in your book. Uh, <laughs> I do. We have a feelings color wheel in the back of the kids book and we use it, honey. We've been using that color Same. wheel. Okay. I said, please slap this in the book. Y'all got to. That's good. Same. I wish I could, if I had time, I would pull, I have a feelings wheel clock. Um, that is pretty, pretty amazing. I'll have to take a picture and send it later. But, but anyways, it really initiates a physiological response in the alarm centers of the brain, it sends a signal to your brain that says it's okay to calm down. And that helps our kids to feel more in control over their own emotions. So it's, it's, it's critical. So use whatever tool I will tell you, if you have a child who is in the midst of an anxiety attack or a panic attack, or who is in deep despair, it is very difficult to articulate what it is that you're feeling. So you really do need a tool like that, or parents can just throw out some emotions. And some of the most common emotions that I share with parents in the therapy room is asking your child, do you feel hurt? Do you feel embarrassed? Do you feel do you feel alone? Do you feel hungry? Mm, hangry? Anybody? Listen, anybody. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. me. <laughs> that's me too, or angry, 
are angry. So sometimes, if again, if we didn't grow up with our parents asking us, now, how did you feel today at school? Did anything happen? We may not have those tools. We may not have that inclination, but we want to continue to equip parents and caregivers with tools that are going to help put a dent in what we're seeing with youth mental health. Oh, that's so good. Thank you so much for being here. I literally... I need to pay you because this was a counseling session for me. Dang it. okay? because I'm trying to tell you and I really do pray that it I I pray that the words that we spoke today and the strategies that you've given will just radically change like a generation of of kids. Like if a generation of parents and caregivers are listening and watching this right now, then that means that we have the potential impact of an entire generation to start getting this right. And that's like that's pretty cool. I think amazing. Right. I think that's pretty cool. Um, Can you pray for us? Oh, wow. Yes, absolutely. Father God, we come to you, O Lord, just giving you all the praise, all the praise and all the thanksgiving, Father God. Thank you for being God all by yourself. Thank you for reminding us that we do not have to do this through our own strength. It is actually impossible to do the work of raising your kids, your kids for kingdom work alone. So we thank you for the resources that you have provided us, Lord. Uh, We thank you for podcasts like Tony's. We thank you for her vulnerability. We thank you for the resources that she and others provide. And we thank you for you because we know that um, the the work that we do as parents is, is not always easy, but it is a beautiful calling. And we just continue to go back to the well we continue to lean on the vine we continue to trust you and ask to be strengthened by you every single day father god so for all the parents that are listening to this wonderful podcast who are feeling painful or frustrated or who are feeling confused every parent has wondered at some point father god am i the reason am i the reason father god remind them that there is no condemnation there is no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus and just uh continue to gird them up father god Um, and comfort them, comfort them so that they can receive the comfort that comes from you and then comfort others, Father God. Thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, we pray all of these things. Amen. Amen. Dr. Jen Way Williams. (laughs) Thanks for being on the podcast, the Still Coloring Podcast, baby. My pleasure. Hey, fam. I just want to thank you so much for listening to the Still Coloring Podcast. I also just wanna say that I do not do this alone. I have an incredible team that helps to make this podcast possible. It's produced by me and my lovely assistant, Amanda Reed. All of the episodes are edited by Robert Elkins. If you love the artwork and the graphics and all the marketing that we do, it's done by Natalie Maxey of Nueva Creative. Also, we have illustration show notes. Head to my website, tonyjcollier.com backslash podcast, and you can download illustrated show notes done by my girl, Emily Mills of Sketch Academy. All right, last thing. If you love listening to the podcast, you are really going to enjoy watching it. So head on over to my YouTube channel and watch the full episodes done by my girl, Kendall Patterson of Lovely House Media. Let me remind you of something right now. Even when you're in the middle of the greatest pain of your life, Even when all hope seems lost, just know that God is in the business of healing and he is still and always will be your ultimate redeemer. Love you.